The story of Tracy Hollett and J.B. Beasley is a ghost story. As I began researching their murders, I was like everyone else. I wanted answers. Instead, all I'm finding are more questions. On the last day of July 1999, the two friends were headed to a party. It was the height of summer in southeastern Alabama, and the girls, both 17 and rising seniors at Northview High School, just wanted to hang out with their friends. But they never arrived. Instead, the next day, police found the bodies of the two girls stuffed into the trunk of JB's 1993 Mazda 929. Each of them had been shot once in the head. It's been 20 years, and their killer has never been found. You're listening to Season 1 of Death in Dixie, The Murders of Tracy Hollett and J.B. Beasley. I'm your host, Bobby Matthews. As I began to dig into this case, some names came back to me, and one of the most interesting is Johnny William Barentine who remains the only person ever charged in the murders of Tracy and J.B. And in fact, we have to do a little bit of kind of very pointed commentary here. He technically was not charged. He was arrested for their murders. However, a grand jury that was impaneled to look into the case refused to indict him. Now, Barentine is an odd character in this story. He was 28 years old at the time of the murders, and on the night that Tracy and JB were killed, he was gone from his home for two hours. He had told his wife that he was planning on going to uh, convenience store to do like a quick milk run or something like that and instead he's gone and unaccounted for with no alibi during the time frame when the girls are murdered in addition upon being questioned by police he gave the authorities six different stories including that he had witnessed the person who killed Tracy and JB. Now, this led to Ozark police making the arrest and bringing charges before a grand jury. Well, there's a saying in law enforcement that a good prosecutor can get a ham sandwich indicted. And because I am a former cops and courts reporter uh, down in that area, I can tell you that the prosecutors in southeastern Alabama are usually pretty good. So it's kind of surprising that the case against Barentine was not stronger. So just a few months after he had initially been arrested, Barentine walked free and never faced charges for this crime again. But that's not the only odd thing. As I began to dig into this case, I wanted to reach out to Barentine to see if he would talk to me. 
to see if he could shed some light on exactly what he had been doing that evening, exactly why police thought he might have been the man who murdered Tracy and JB. I wanted to give him a chance to come clean or to clear his name. But in the process of attempting to reach him, I discovered that he has been reported deceased. Now, the dates of his death that I have found online, and they are very few and very far between. The dates vary between 2014 and 2015. However, those are circumstantial reports at best. There is no obituary, no death notice. Now you can Google uh, Johnny William Barentine and obituary, or Johnny William Barentine and death notice, and nothing comes up. His death would have been not notable to media in southeastern Alabama if for no other reason than he was, at one time, the prime suspect in the deaths of Tracy and JB. So now, I have to go find a death certificate. And the way that I'll do that is I will check in the Montgomery Vital Records Office because I want to find out exactly when he died and what the cause of death was. However, the strange case of Johnny William Barentine is not the only weird uh, turn this case takes. There are questions all over the place. So many questions. Was it a stranger? Was it someone who knew the girls? Or was it a cop? That's a question that you have to ask. There's circumstantial evidence. JB's driver's license was out of her wallet and on the dash of her car as though she might have been stopped and had to provide her license and registration to a police officer. But then there's also this. In November 2015, an Ozark Reserve police officer slash dispatcher named Rena Crum came forward with allegations that the Ozark police were actively covering up for the murderer of Tracy and JB. Ms. Crum went to a blog called the Henry County Report and named names. She said that a former Ozark police officer who was now employed by a different county's law enforcement was the person who killed Tracy and JB. Now, that opened up a hell of a can of worms, as you might expect. She was sued by multiple deputies and police officers in southeastern Alabama, specifically in Ozark and, I believe, Henry County. And the blog 
where she made her allegations no longer exists. Now it's just a placeholder for legal news. And unsurprisingly, Crum no longer works for the Ozark Police Department. During this season of Death and Dixie, I'll be using police records, I will be using court filings, I will be using one-on-one -on -one interviews to dig deeper into this case than anyone has before. I know that I'm chasing ghosts. These are questions that have lingered for years with no good answers. But I have to believe that somewhere out there, someone knows something. What I can't forget, what I won't allow myself to forget, is that these two young women were not just victims. They were people, young women who had their lives ahead of them, and who were tragically cut down before they ever even got started really living. This is our last teaser episode. The original reporting for Death in Dixie, Season 1, will begin later this spring. My name is Bobby Matthews. Thank you for listening. You can catch Death in Dixie on Facebook, as well as Twitter, at Death in Dixie. And if you want to drop us a line, you can reach me directly at Gmail, deathanddixie at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and wish us luck as we pursue this 20-year-old cold case.